Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, Vain is the Help of Man. It shall be focused on a study of Psalms 108. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, for as it was teaching us, vain is the help of man. So Father, we look to Thee, and through Thee we know that we shall do valiantly, for it is You who shall tread down all our enemies. So we come and know that all our victory is in the name of Jesus. Salvation is in the name of Jesus. Comfort is in the name of Jesus. And through that Holy Spirit which You have sent for us, Father, living in us and changing our nature after Your own, taking preeminence and, Lord, bringing all things into subjection to your word. We thank thee for it. Help us, Father, if there be any who haven't accepted that promise, who haven't reached that point, may you help them to know you in the power of your resurrection. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Psalms chapter 108. Psalm 108, a song or song of David. O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and get praise, even with my glory. Awake, psaltery heart. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens and thy glory above all the earth, that thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand, and answer me. God hath spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and meet out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the strength of mine head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom will I cast out my shoe. Over Philistia will I triumph. Who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me into Edom? Wilt not thou, O God, who hast cast us off? And wilt not thou, O God, go forth with our hosts? Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiant, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Faith, Africa Trip Report. This was preached in 1952 on July the 26th. We'll begin at paragraph 4 up to paragraph 54. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Recently, when coming from Africa, I, while I was down there, I haven't time now to tell you, but the Lord told me to go a certain place and do a certain thing. And and the management of the itinerary they had set was altogether contrary, and the man didn't understand it. They just wouldn't let me do it. I said, all right. Look, we'll suffer. So I went and prayed again, and he gave me permission, and told me I'd suffer over it. I did. The whole party did. I suffered worse. It was a parasite. 
And we found out later we went to what the Lord told us to, there's probably been 200,000 souls saved in the name of the Lord more. Mr. Jackson, which is here at the meeting somewhere in South Africa, knows all about it. When I pulled off, off of a tree, threw it before the ministerial international group and said, Thus saith the Lord, we shall not go that way if we do, we'll suffer. It's not right to go that way. We should go from here to Johannesburg straight to Durban. They couldn't understand it, of course. But I went in there and I I'll just give you the detail of it. Won't take just a moment or two, maybe. 10, 15 minutes. When we landed at Johannesburg, I didn't know very much about South Africa. My wife sitting well, probably at the last of this, when I told her, I said, you write me, honey, Johannesburg, Southern Rhodesia. Johannesburg, I mean, um, beg your pardon, Durban, Southern Rhodesia. Durban's not in Rhodesia. It'd be like writing Zion, Canada. It's a, another nation. Rhodesia is another nation. South Africa where Durban is, but I didn't know the Lord sent me to Durban because that's where Miss Florence Nightingale was healed. She went back and I promised the Lord that I would go if that's where I thought I was going. When I got off to Johannesburg, Brother Baxter and was waiting for me there and he said, here's where we have the meeting. About 20,000 people or more were out around the place there and by when we got out there, I don't know how many was out in about 20, 30 miles out of town where they're taking us, where the meeting was being held. And the first night I was so worn, I'd been there for three days. When it come down, I was tired, warm, no sleep. You know how it is, them bouncy planes over the seas and so forth. Thank you, sir. And um, so then when I got down there, well, I just walked to the meeting and just got in and there was tens of thousands of people together in there everywhere. Been waiting three days for me, all together now. And as soon as I got in, I saw a vision just break before me. And there come a boy with one leg, about six inches shorter than the other. I seen his limbs come down normal. I looked around to see where the boy was, and I seen him setting. We hadn't had time to give out no prayer cards. We couldn't call a prayer line. My, not in that kind of crowd. I said, young man, Jesus Christ has healed you. You've come over here from Durban. He's made you well. Stand up on your feet. There, his leg was perfectly normal. The headlines in the paper, the boy, the reporters went and measured his legs to see him testify of his father and mother. There it was. The next day, then there's a little lady laying there in a cot. I said, I see an automobile, one running this way. It crashes as the young lady gets her back rope. I said, here she lays here, your back's broken three places. She said, that's right. I, she said, will I ever get... I said, I don't know. I stood there just a moment, looked. I see her going, waving her hands and talking to her friends and back and forth. I said, stand up, Jesus Christ, just heal you. And her mother said, no, 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 she can't stand up. She should she, die. Remember, better be careful. The broken back, one move and that's all. Remember, a... a a troop, a state troop can't move you on the highway if you've got a broken back. That's right. You have to lay there. The doctors didn't. Now, but they, 
And the woman was laying there with her back broken three places and hadn't moved for months, just laying like that. I said, Jesus has healed you. And she raised up on her feet and screamed, began jumping up and down and praising God. And her mother fainted and fell in the same bed that her daughter was laying in. So, so that started it, you see. And then, of course, they had a medical affair there that the medical association had had an awful time with them. Well, I've given my analysis of that, what it was and what, was, what I thought was true. Though many times it's some shut behind the door to me, but that don't stop God's word from being true. So I laid it down. And the next morning early, the medical association called up and wanted me to have breakfast with them. And they gave me the right hand of fellowship and said, that's true divine healing. And we open our hospitals to anything that you want on your hand. I said, thank you, sir. I said, you've already done something more for us now and half the missionaries to come over here in 50 years. I said, thank you, sir. I will try to do all of it. The Lord will permit me to do it. I said, Reverend Branham, we believe in divine healing like that. And that way, that's truth. And I said, thank you, sir. So then the next day, the Dutch Reformed paper, which was, oh my, the Dutch Reformed church. I'm nothing against you Dutch Reformed people here. But it's a state church there, and they're really horribly against divine healing. And so, but here their paper was carrying articles of it and everything, front pages and one, two pages of it. And the next day, there was one Dutch Reformed minister who was for me, and one said I was a spiritualist, uh, a devil, uh, under disguisement as a Christian, and uh, imposing myself as a Christian man, working with the spirit of the devil, the reason I would know those things. Well, it kind of stirred his buddy, so he went to see him. And he said, you're wrong. He said, this is the day of our visitation. The other fellow said, the one was against him. He said, that man is of the devil. And he was, this other said, I'm going out and pray for your lost soul. <laughs> so he just turned around and walked out in the yard with a little peach tree. And he knelt under the peach tree and said, oh God, I accept every word the man has said said, I believe it's the truth. I know no one could do this except it would be by you. And I believe it, and my friend in there is going to be lost. And said, it's the day of our visitation, and have mercy on him. And he said about that time, before he'd ever heard about it, here come that pillar of fire moving down through that bush. And said, the pillar of fire opened up, and the angel of God stood there, and walked in and laid his hand on his shoulder, said, return and tell him. And he jumped up real quick. He runs to the door all excited. Uh, the, the angel of the Lord uh, met me right there and said, Come tell you and begin to tell his buddy about said so he put his hand on my back and said it just almost burned comes through me. Said I I I tell you, it's going on like that. And this Dutch reform minister had to look around and there was a scorched place the size of a man's hand laying right across his white shirt, right across there. I got the shirt. There was the next day in the paper, headlines, this Dutch Reform Minister's eyes bulged out like that, look at the man's back, and they took my hand and put it on the man's back, and this exactly fit the fingers right around exactly about the, the left hand where it used to be. Well, we had the favor of everything then. Then Mr. Baxter, my beloved brother, comes to tell me, said, Brother Brandon, 
We've got an itinerary. We've got to go way down, Clark's off Boonfontein, all the way down through that way and back up and then over to Durban. It doesn't matter to me. We were over here for so long. doesn't matter. All right. That night when we went in, about 2 o'clock in the morning, the angel of the Lord came to me and said, Tomorrow you're going to be down in the city and you're going to see an odd-dressed lady standing by the side of a place dressed in purple. Call Mr. Schumann's attention. And tomorrow morning, while you're sitting at the table, when you get up, tell there's going to be something happening. And so then you tell your manager, Mr. Baxter, that he's going to point out to you a very odd-looking bird. See? And it says, you're going to try to take you up here to a doctor that's got cancer. And he thanks cancer on his hip, but said it is not cancer. The doctor just made a mistake and cut something loose there, and the man's going to die. Said, and don't, and said, now they're going, and on your road up, said, you'll see a Navy bead sailor. There's lots of them set along the road, but tomorrow there'll only be one. And you all will turn and come to that Navy bead sailor. They went and said, you'll know her, said she's a young girl, about 14 years old. She's got a big skin place way back her scalp like that. And said, by that, you shall not take, you'll know that you shall not go down there with this man. You stay right here for two weeks and go up to Mr. Jackson's farm as you were going up there uh, a hunting and then go to Durban and stay to Durban till I call you. Next morning I got up, repeated all over. Mr. Baxter, which is right here listening at me now. And Mr. Jackson, which is sitting close. Oh, I believe, Brother, are you here, Brother Jackson? Where are you at? If you are, raise your hand up so I'll know. I've been saying, oh, here, sir, he's right up here, all right. That's right, Brother Jackson from South Africa, right there where the meeting was going on. The next day, sitting at the table, the Lord spoke to me and told me about little Andra his little girl, about what was wrong with her tonsils and what had taken place and so forth. Mr. Schumann first, he didn't kind of understand it too well. He just dropped his far. He knew that, that no one knew that except right there in their own family. And there the Holy Spirit was revealing all about his family, what they had done, and all along like that. Brother Baxter sitting there at the table, listening. And I said, now, we shall not take this itinerary down this way. The Lord told me to stay here for two more weeks and then go over to, to, uh, to Mr. Jackson's farm and go hunting with him for rest up for about eight or ten days and then go to Durban and stay there until he called me, which should be about a month, I'm sure. Not knowing then that Durban was the only place there wasn't segregation, all these others were segregation. You think about the South having trouble, you ought to see their trouble there. Now, well, I, so I told them, and the next day, Brother Baxter, which is present, and Brother Bosworth, and all of them, when they, Brother Baxter said, now, Brother Brandon, to me, that's all right. But as a national committee, you have to see them. So I told Brother Schumann, so he knows. I said, now, today that you know, Brother Schumann, we're going to the city, and there'll be a Navy dressed in purple. <laughs> what? I said, a Navy dressed in purple. Never seen one yet. He said, all right, you'll sit today. And I said, he'll be standing by a park. I've never been in Johannesburg in my life. And I said, he'll be standing by a park like this where a uh, cat a corner cuts this way as a road goes this way and a lot of benches sitting along like this. There's people above it with flowers on the street selling. He said, I know where the park is. And I said, well, we'll pass by that today. Well, we will. 
Hey, Paul, I said, you want to go down? Well, it went on, we got busy about things. He said, you want to go down? I said, yes. I went out and worked with his office. And when we was coming around for his office, I said, Brother Schumann, you see your lady standing here beside us for He said, well, what do you know about that? And so then, as we got back up there, uh, what was that duplicity thing? Not David. Justice. Justice Duplicy, which is one of the smartest men there is in South Africa, in my opinion, and a real Christian gentleman. He is one of the sponsors of the meeting on the internet, on the national committee. He came to me in a bunch, and we went up to Victoria. And on the road up, Brother Baxter was along, and they were driving about 60 miles an hour up the road like that, talking real quick. And he said, but there ought to be some salesmen along here somewhere. I punched Brother Baxter. And so we went on and said, we'll buy some beads and curios and so forth. Went on up and we just passed by. Now I looked and there's just a little lady sitting on the side of the road, a little colored girl with her, with her skin place on her head. I thought, that's the girl. I just see what they're going to do now. He went way over up the road and he said, have a look. He's just about half square above the same. There's one of the salesmen. Squeaked on his brakes, come back. I looked at Brother Baxter. He never, it just looked like he didn't think of it at that time. Turned back around. When we got down there, I said, Brother Baxter, don't you remember this? I said, yes, there it is. <laughs> There's a little bit, only one on the road, and that's 29 miles. You know, brother, they sit on the road everywhere there for those fellows, the only one on the road, just like he told me. Never been in the country, just been there about 24 hours. And so he said, now, and there she was sitting there with that, and we went back, and Brother Baxter taking his camera and took a picture of the Navy. We go on up, sure enough, there was a doctor with that in his hip, just exactly like we said. And then the following day, we was out on a, a place that was Brother Baxter, the odd bird that he told me he would look at. There it was, just the same way. Then he comes and said, we're going, got to go down there. Well, Brother Baxter said, now, Brother Brown, if it was in America, I'd have the Jewish diction and I would say, no. Said, but we're over here at the mercy of these people. They don't understand. Said, I'm with you. hundred percent. But said, now, to make these men understand it, that would be something different. I said, well, were they understand it or not? I know what the Lord told me to do. I must do what he said to So, next morning, here come the cars up. Got to go down to Clarkstall, a little place of about 4,000, 5,000, or something like that. Something on that order. Leaving Johannesburg of about 350 to 400,000. So leave that just a 100 miles different. But as I've always said, if you want to get muddled up, it's school with preachers. And that's where you sure get fixed up. Not all of them, but I mean just to get a bunch of men. They promised Brother So-and-so that they'd have us over to his place, and Brother So-and-so, they had to come down there. Now that's all right. But brother, when it comes to leading of the Spirit of God, you follow God. See? And so, they said, oh, we, we must go, that's, that's all. So they loaded up the cars. I was still sitting in there. I wasn't going. I wasn't going, no, sir. So they said, you got to go. You must go. So I, well, all right, I got, went out, started down the road, and as I kept going down, the Holy Spirit kept condemning me, saying, you better not do that. I said, God, have I ever known of crossing your line like this? But I'm down here. What am I going to do? I'm in the mercy of these men. It kept getting worse. I said, stop the car. Stop the car. Up comes the different cars, the man, and and uh, Billy Paul, my son, and, 
and Mr. Statsquist and all, Mr. Bosworth and a bunch of the committeemen and all of them come up out with Mr. Schumann. There he is. Brother Baxter was in another car. So they went over and told him, said, he refuses to go. Said, you have to go talk to him. I said, I ain't going no farther right here. This is, the Lord done told me to go back and I can't do it. And they said, well, Brother Branham said, look, they kind of got a little huffy about it. And I said, said, don't you think God speaks to somebody besides you? One of the committeemen said, I said, Korah had that idea one day and told Moses that. But the earth opened up and swallowed him out. I said, I don't know what he's told you. I can't judge that. I know what he's told me. Well, he said he told us to make that itinerary. I said, he told me not to take it. Well, now you can. If he told you to make the itinerary, go ahead. But he told me not to do it. Well, the argument got worse and worse. Finally, Brother Baxter come over. Brother Baxter said, Brother Brandon, we're kind of spot here. He said, I wish that that you would not say about going up on that hunting trip. Said that now Brother Baxter is a sensible, sound man. And he's looking at it from his sensible standpoint as it could be. He said, look, if you keep saying going hunting, those ministers are thinking that you've come down here to go hunting and half of them down here don't even believe in them going hunting. And said, thousands of people laying down their sticks ready to die and you talk about going hunting. I said, Brother Baxter, if I never fire another gun in my life, if I never walk into a, a, a field again in my life, I said, that's not pro or con to me. I said, I am only doing what God said to do. I said, that is, I'm, I'm just following out orders. And I said, you've been with me enough, Brother Baxter, to know that when I tell you what God is going to do in the name of the Lord and tell you it's a vision, he said, Brother Branham, is that truly a vision from God? I said, yes, Brother Baxter. He said, then from henceforth, I take my hands away from it. I said, I won't have no more to do with it. But if it's a vision from God, that we're plugged up here, but said, now if you make your move, I'll stand by you. I said, all right, Brother Baxter. Well, I fussed with him there for a while, no. Well, finally, it's getting one o'clock, people's waiting. And when we got down to the little, I'm mispronouncing, I'm sure Clark's style, but something on that order, close enough that you know what it was. But when we got down there, there was enough people, the city was swamped, and there's no place for them to sleep, there was nothing. Beautiful day. They take me out to a minister's house, a brother free, a very fine Christian brother. Susan sat down at the table by his wife. The Lord told me what was wrong with his wife and how she suffered and healed her right there. She's never been bothered since. See, God in his sovereignty, yet me out of his will, God will bless gifts and callings are without repentance. And so then we stayed there a little bit. And that night they got the meeting all ready to go. And when there come time to take me to the meeting, there come a tropical storm and like to drown the whole bunch. And at 10 o'clock in the night, they couldn't even get me near the place. Just, you haven't seen a storm yet. You see one of those tropical storms. Lightning, it's just lighting this room almost, the constant flashes of lightning and roaring, and there it was. All right, no service that night. Well, the brethren, I come back, I said, I told you. The Lord said, don't come down here, I'm out of his will. I've got to go back to Johannesburg. 
Well, we just can't do it. Now we promised brothers, these brothers, if we're going down here, we've got to do it. Well, there you are. The sin be on you. I said, remember, I, I was there with work. <laughs> no money and nothing. I was in an awful condition. No money to carry my meeting on myself. And I was just kind of up against it. So then I said, well, we waited that night. The next day, broke off pretty and nice. And just about the time for the service, there come a blizzard. Like the throws everybody to the head. Come on back to the building. I said, didn't I tell you? I said, now, tomorrow night we'll have an earthquake. I said, we're out of the will of God, brethren. They said, do you mean we'll have an earthquake? I said, I don't know whether we will or not. I just said that. There'll be something happening. We're out of the will of God. Two o'clock in the morning, we were still going heavy at it. I said, finally said, now look, God has told me to go back to Johannesburg and stay there for two weeks, go up to Brother Jackson, and then from there to Durban, and from there I'll go home. They, oh no, I said, well, we got the favor with the newspapers, with the medical association, with everything, and thousands of people where they could eat and everything in a place to stay, and here they're laying out on the prairies, no place, nothing to eat, and drowned and everything else, and us out of the will of the Lord. I said, can't you see it, brethren? Well, we promised to do this, though. Well, of course, they were mad of honor trying to keep their promise to their brethren. But, brother, that's the reason that my meetings tonight can't be set like old Roberts and the rest of these fellows. They know where they're going two years from now. They don't die. They can set their mind must be led day by day, meeting by meeting, wherever he says go, I got to go. If he'd tell me right tonight not to be here tomorrow, I wouldn't be here tomorrow. And if he told me tonight to stay here a, a year, I'd be right here a year if I had to stand on the outskirts of Zion. Wherever he says go, that's just where I go. That's where I stay till he says go. It's got to be that way. I can't set a temporary. I can't tell you where I'll be the next day. I don't know. I'll make no promise. We're supposed to go down to Chicago next week, if the Lord will. If the Lord doesn't permit it, if he'd speak to me tonight and say, stay in Zion, I'd stay in Zion. If he met with me tonight and say, one day I was down under in St. Louis, Missouri, just left Zion, and I was having a good meeting, and that very night the Holy Spirit come in and said, leave St. Louis and go back to Zion. And I left St. Louis the next day and begin the following day in Zion again. You remember? You still what the Lord did? Follow. So then... On into the night we went arguing, arguing, arguing. I said, no, going back tomorrow, right back to Johannesburg. Well, what would we do when we got to Johannesburg? I didn't have money to come home with it, and coming home would be wrong. I supposed to stay there in that meeting. Who's going to back it up? What are we going to do? Oh, I was in an awful fix. And it just seemed like, I said, all right, if Paul said it long ago, you should have listened and not have loosened the tree to cause this trouble. So I said, now God has a permissive will. But I never like to work God's permissive will. I want His perfect will. And he always. If I don't want to work secondarily, I want to know what He wants me to do, and I'll go do it. And so we went. Then when He heard about permissive will, oh my, that settled a thing altogether. Well, I went into the room. We all went to a different room. I went to my room to pray. Billy, my boy back there, was sleeping with me. We had a couple little beds off one side. Brother Jackson, I guess you said it, Brother Three, you know where the beds are. That's next out to the road. And 
Billy and I went in. We went to pray. And when we went in, Billy, my boy, put his hand on my shoulder. He said, Daddy, don't you listen to that bunch of preachers. You listen to what God's telling you and not that bunch of preachers. If I ever got wisdom from my son, Mazan, or a good... That's right. And I said, Honey, I'm all tore up. He said, Look, Daddy, that we'll get home someway. I said, Honey, the thing of it is, this is going home. It's the idea I've got to go back to Johannesburg and take this meeting that way. He said, Daddy, I'll stay by you. And I know Brother Baxter will. So he said, You just remember we're with you. And so I said, You pray with me, Billy. Of course, he got sleep. He just been a kid. He crawled in the bed about 1 or 2 o'clock. About 3 o'clock in the morning, he came into the room. I felt him. Smooth horse side of the bed. I said, who are these men and what do they mean? He said, go on. They go on. So they've got you tied into it. They go on. But remember, you will pay for it. He said, you'll know. And he said, now, if you might go, that you have my permission to go. Tomorrow morning, you go wake up your boy. God honored Billy. He said, you go wake up your boy and tell him that tomorrow morning at Sunday school, when they had their Sunday school meeting in the morning, it's going to be a pretty day. And it's raining, cloudy, and bad then. He said, but it's going to be pretty. The sun will be shining, you'll be warm again. He said, you, they're going to stand, and Brother Baxter's going to stand for you to come pray for the sick men. The meeting's so delayed. Just to be there three days, anyhow. Said, the meeting's so delayed, you, he's going to send your boy back to get you to come pray for the sick. So be ready and go. And said, then when, when you do, said, your son is going to come at you with a young man in a little black car. And on the road back, on the road to get you, he's going to pick up another young man. That's contrary to the rules. But he's going to pick up another young man. And on the road going back, said he's going to call your attention. There'll be a native in a white sapphire suit standing near a eucalyptus tree by a bridge with a stick fixing to strike another native. And said, by that, you'll know that I give you permission to go. But remember, you'll suffer for it. So, when I come out of the vision, I went over and I woke Billy up and I said, Billy... The angel of the Lord had just visited me and told me what he said. I walked into the room, and I put the back to the back of the building now listening. And I walked into the room, and here's what screams, friends. Listen, don't miss this. Now, he may never deal with you like that, in that manner. I was born to this end as a different person. Now, I guess I've been odd and misunderstood. Your life might not be like that, but this one thing I do know, you do what God tells you to do. Don't pay attention to what anybody else says, you do what God says. And it be sure that you know it's God. Not some imagination or some feeling, you be sure it's God. Then follow God's right. He'll take you where He wants you to go. So, we walked into the room, Brother Baxter, Brother Bosworth, Mr. Statcliffe, which is, I believe, is present tonight. And those men were standing, there's at least two of those men present now. They were all sleeping in a room over themselves, the four of them in a room. Or the three of them, rather. And I walked in the room, I said, Brethren, 
I have thus saith the Lord. I said, we are doing wrong when we're going down to Kimberley, Clarkstock, and Bloomfontein, Cape Town. We're doing wrong. The will of the Lord is for us to go back here and come down, uh, go back to Johannesburg, and go from there over to Brother Jackson, and from there over to this uh, Durban. And I said, but he gave me his permissive will this morning, and gave me these signs, and I told him what he told me. And I said, it's, it's daylight outside now, it's a pretty day. And I said, these things shall come to pass. But remember, it's not the will of the Lord. How many old Fred Bosworth? Let's see your hand. Do you believe him to be a good man? Yes. And he's as close to me as my daddy. But yet, in that, Brother Bosworth, who stood by my side, who stood in the pulpit, who preached of this gift, who built platforms, who constantly speaks of it, said, I'm... I'm 70-something years old. I've never seen it, never read of anything like it since the days of the apostles. Believes in me with all of his heart. He raised up and he said, Brother Branham, you're wrong. It's the will of God for you to go that way. I said, Brother Bosworth, it is not. He said, well, Brother Branham, he said, I read one time where Satan gave Adam a false vision. I said, Brother Bosworth, you're a daddy to me. But I said, look, this is not a false vision. This is from God. My honor and my ministry, my reputation, not only mine, but the name of the Lord rests upon it. I said, it's wrong. He said, no. He said, if you go that way, you'll see the exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. And I turned around. I looked at Brother Baxter. He was rubbing his eyes. I looked over at Brother Stafford. I thought then, there it is. No matter how close an individual is to you, you can't trust the arm of flesh. I don't care if it's your mother. You remember one time where there's a, a prophet in a land or another and went out and prophesied and God told him what to do? And he said, don't eat or drink. First Kings 13. And this prophet sent and told him, the Lord said to come back here and he minded a prophet in the stead of God. You know what happened? He lost his life. Both of them prophets. No matter who they are, you do what God tells you to do. Before I left, while preaching this report one day, the Holy Spirit fell upon me. And said, Thus saith the Lord, There is a snare set for you in, in South Africa. Was anybody at the Shreveport meeting? Let's see your, let's see your hands. Is there anybody at the Shreveport meeting before I left to hear, hear that prophecy? All right, I guess there's not up in this, in this little group anyhow. But there, I didn't know it was among my brethren. Now, the thing was, we went on, and as soon as we got to Kimberley, there was, uh, the next stop, there was an elderly man there, an old man, good man. But there's thousands of people, and that old brother said, No, sir, you're not going to have it out anywhere, but in my church, the church holds about 400 people in about 
10, 12, 14,000 people there. But yet it hadn't been in that church. Brother Bosworth blew up and took his hat and said, Ridiculous, ridiculous, that's a shame. I said, That's the exceedingly abundant gift of all I said, You understand? He said, Oh, I never heard of such. And so Brother Baxter the same way and both of them went out and rented a big place. All right. That shows you see. Went on down along the trip like that, trouble set in everywhere. And never had the meeting until we got up there to anyone knows that knows, Brother Jackson, you know, the meeting was at Durban, where we had nearly a hundred thousand gathered out and thirty thousand converts in a day. And that was the only place it was. And down along the road, we all got sick. Every one of us got sick. And when I come home, I almost died. I had a neva. Neva. The parasite, a little animal, gets into the intestinal tract, in the stomach, like a little barnacle, sticks there and sucks till it. Well, it takes its course in about so many hours after it gets into the bloodstream. If it comes on the liver and bursts, you live. It goes to the brain, burst or heart, you die. There's nothing you can do about it. And I walked the floor and prayed and cried and prayed and cried and prayed and cried so my eyes would swell literally to my wife that would lead me to breakfast. No answer from God at all. One morning I was laying there my hand behind my head said, God, what can I do? Falling off weight, getting thinner and thinner, worse and worse all the time, nothing. Getting worse, worse, nothing could be done. Worse all the time. One morning I was laying there, oh God, what's my future hold? I guess I, this is the end of the road. I'm perishing. I'm sorry, I repented. I said, God, I'll never no more knowingly step across your line, never again. If there's kindness in your heart, Lord, towards me, please forgive me. I'd get my Bible and walk up and down the floor in the daytime, and I'd well, say, Honey, what's the matter? I'd say, Oh, sweetheart, if you only knew how I felt. I said, I went against God's will. I said, Here I am, broken here in my ministry. I told Brother Baxter, I said, The Lord has spoke to me. He's with us right now and can when he comes to the platform. I said, If I take that temporary dust, saith the Lord, I'll not even be able to have a meeting between six months and a year. It was this is the seventh month or the eighth month then. I asked him. When he says anything, it's the truth. I'll lay my life to it if it's the truth. Then, coming back to my place, I was walking the floor about three months ago or hardly so much. Walking the floor one night crying. I laid down, went to sleep. I woke up about three o'clock in the morning. I said, oh, God, what's going to be my future? What will happen to me? Laying there, I said, oh, if I only about five months, nothing to pace in the floor and crying, wondering, people standing everywhere, well, I couldn't even leave the house. Hardly, and there it was. I said, oh, what will I do? Then I got a little buddy by the name of Dr. Adair, lives just across from me, went to school together. When he heard about that, he said, Billy Branham, mercy boy, God be merciful to you. So he said, there ain't nothing I know to do. And I said, Doc, the only thing I want to do is find my favor back with God again. I said, I stepped across his line. 
One morning laying there, as I said, about three o'clock, I was rubbing my head. I thought, what does my future hold? And about that time, I felt something move into the room. Get your memories ready now. We're going to tell you something's going to happen. He come into the room. I knew it was him. I laid real still. Come moving out here. Coming on. It's like a last of fire. Move down into the room. Come where I was. Just then I seen one come walking to me. He had paper, something like typewriter paper. Just folded like this in his hand. He walked up to me. said, as you were meditating upon your bed, what would be your future? I said, yes, Lord. I have wondered what my future held. He took the paper like this, it creased it. He said, looky there. There was scribble all over some of the land, but a great stack of it. He swung it like that and went flung out of sight up into the heavens. He said, it is clear. I came to myself. I was sitting on the side of the bed and I said, oh, God. Oh, please speak. Oh, if I found favor with you, Lord, please. What about these amoeba? What's going to happen, Lord? I said, please, if in your great heart, if my sins are forgiven, will you speak to me? What about it, Lord? I said, I'm laying here. I'm just about to die. I said, I've trusted you. I've believed in you. I've taught others. I said, won't you have mercy? About that time, I felt something coming again. Come back into the room. Move down over me. That as thou was thinking about that, it shall be no more. That settled it. I came to, I don't care what anybody said then, that was all. And I said, Father, I never did have it, just usually one at a time, this time there were five. He said, lasted from three until about six in the morning. And he said, You come back again. He said to me, He said, You've been wondering and people have been telling you about criticizing you about your meetings. And I said, yes, Lord. They tell me that Oral Roberts and these other men pray for 500 while I'm ministering to three. And I said, you told me to do this. What shall I do, Lord? Shall I pray for the people in line? He said, just as you're led. And it left me again. And I walked up and down the floor a few moments and I said, oh, God, I'm so thankful to you. I appreciate you. Here it come again. I felt it come in the room again. And he taken me in the spirit, set me down out there in the middle of that racetrack, right in Durban where I was standing. And I've seen that Durban meeting going fading off into history to my right. Geographically, I was facing the south, just like I was in Durban. And it was going fading to the west, going away turning blue, that group of people. And right in front of me was sections, just like this is sex tonight, but looked like streets. And there were great crowds of people. And then he came, and he turned my head like this, back over to the east, towards the east, towards India. And there were tens of thousands with clouds on, dark-looking men. They had their hands up in the air. They were praising God. They were jumping up and down and screaming and praising God. Thousands of them was receiving Christ. And I said, wonderful. And about that time, I heard something coming right above me. And here come down a great light out of heaven. And it was like an oscillating light. And it went way back over the fields for about a half a mile or more. And there was nothing but a solid mass of people just standing packed in. 
I said, oh, Lord, are all those black men? And then he turned me back to this group here in front of me again. There were beautiful white people standing with their hands up in the air like this, praising God. Then he turned me back again like that. And then the angel come real near. I could tell he was getting near. And I heard the number that he called. Remember this? He said, there's 300,000 of those in that brand meeting. And I came to myself. I heard his number. Remember, I'm going to hold a meeting somewhere east of Durban. I believe in India. That'll consist of 300,000 people. That's before it comes to pass that you might know. Just as I have said about the little boy being raised in Finland. Many of you heard that testimony. Before it was ever, before he even left the United States a year before. That little boy being raised for dead and so forth. Now remember this. Then I raised up my hands to bless God. And when I did, look, come here, here come my Bible. It was turned over to about uh, Paul and the storm. And then the leaves begin to turn back, 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 this Bible. And it went back to Joshua, the first chapter. And something began to read the chapter like this. My servant Moses is dead. Now arise and go over this yard. And these people, no man shall stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Only be of a good courage and, ver- and ver- be strong and very courageous. For the Lord thy God is with thee, wheresoever thou goest. And I raised up, and I reached for my Bible, it was in the air, and I reached, and it was, I, I, I said, where did it go? And about that time I heard my wife knock at the door, she'd come through the room. She said, Bill, has something been wrong? She said, at three o'clock this morning the baby was spreading, and I come in to wake you up, and said, when I come there at the door, now my wife is a very spiritual woman, but this is the first time it ever happened in our home. She's very quiet, pious-like person. And she, she said, I started to go in the room, and something said to me, don't go in there, there's a vision going on. And she said, for three hours I've sat in a chair and rocked the baby, waiting. I said, yes, honey. I grabbed my Bible, a big Bible there, and wrote out the vision right quick on a fly leaf in there, which many come to the houses read it. We went out for breakfast. My mother-in-law, a very saintly, godly woman, lives just below me. Here she come running up the house. She said, has anything happened up here this morning? She said, this morning when I got up, I went to the sink to wash my dishes from last night to get ready for breakfast, and something said, go up to the other house. Something has happened. I tore the vision. I turned around. I had, as soon as breakfast over, I went out to get my check stubs to, that I used for a meeting last year about the income things. And I went out to the bank, went on back. They had them ready for me. I was going by and all the tellers said, hello, Brother Brown. I said, hello, hello, hello. Went on back, picked up the, my stubs and started out. I started walking out like this and something said, stop. And I thought that was just, <laughs> you know how you... Get an impression somehow. Stop. I waited and I looked at the people. Nobody was looking at me. And I said, Lord God, what would you have me do? And I backed up in a corner like this, kind of waiting him in with those stubs and my little briefcase under my arm. Oh, what would you have me do? He said, look at Bob Dennison. 
I'll hold on to that. It just bumped in and out. I looked over and he was standing there with his head down like this. I know Bob real well. Just tell her. And I said, well, that was it. But it wasn't. It was gone. I stopped a minute. I walked over. I said, good morning, Bobby. And he said, hello, Brother Brown. The say Margie Morgan was in here today as Lady Seals Cancer. I said, how you feeling, Bobby? Tears rolled down his cheeks. He said, Brother Bram, I, I got something to tell you. I don't know how you're going to take it. I said, well, go ahead, Bobby. Tell me. He said, all, most all my people died of cancer. He said, I've got every symptom of what they had. So I've been worried to death the last few days. So Billy, I don't mean to cause you any trouble, but said this morning at three o'clock, I woke up in the room and I dreamed a dream that I should tell you about. <laughs> I said this morning at three o'clock, he had me up. He took hold my hand. That was the last of cancer. Never had any more symptoms of it at all. I mean, he just, well, when I was down home like, two or three days ago, I said, How you feeling, Bobby? He said, Brother Branham, I'm telling you, I'm a different person. God still rules and reigns. He's Jehovah. And there is none likened unto him. You believe that? As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for Thy Word, which David was teaching us. And in another psalm, it says, Cursed be the man who trusts in the arm of flesh. So we refuse to place our hopes in a man, but we place all our hopes and trust in Thee. For we know, Lord, whom we have believed, and we are more than persuaded that You are able to keep that which we have committed unto Thee against that day. May Your great Holy Spirit be with us today and forevermore. In the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Forevermore. 